I just see an eruption in the realm of the Spirit. And I want to ask you to participate with that which you can't see, with that which you can't hear. It's amazing to have the beautiful expression of worship that helps facilitate a comprehension of what God's doing in the invisible realm. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. And we were actually designed by God to see the invisible and function in the realm of the impossible. So would you just join me and let's give 60 seconds of erupting of what we sense in the spirit of praise and declaration that God is able, Jesus is alive. We lift up the name of Jesus. We honor you, Lord God. You are worthy of our praise. I thank you, Lord, that a spirit of infirmity is broken in this land in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord, you're addressing division and injustice in our land. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that Zion is invading the earth in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Bless you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Particularly in this season, we're going to go deeper. And um, if you would put the graphic up, and I want you to begin to see just the picture of what we're sensing that God is doing in this season. Week one of going deeper. I'm going to ask Caleb if you would go ahead and come. We're going to go deeper. One of the things that I want to do is to, I just felt the Lord was saying something more than a sermon I could ever preach is that we demonstrate for this season of time what it is to listen and pray. And so uh, I've just asked Caleb if he'd stay up here. He had no idea what I was inviting him to, but <laughs> welcome. Today, Caleb is 33 years old. It's a significant season in his life. And I believe, um, I believe it's indicative of the significant season of the church that we're stepping into. And so in these moments, many times, I think we just need to not rush through the program, but we need to pause and listen and pray. How I many you know we are brilliant in this nation at programming church? It's a beautiful expression of the program of church. Come on, just listen and pray. Caleb, just begin to pray as you uh, would like to pray anything the Lord may speak to your heart, but just, just a prayer into the morning as you as you sense that. Let's all just be available just to listen right now, just for a moment. Me and my wife have uh, been speaking, uh, just been talking a lot to each other about certain things and, and the heart that we have for uh, just missions. And we've done some in the past and we've always talked about how we can keep going back and make it a perpetual thing to uh, really make it a lifestyle and and it's, the thing is, is that it doesn't necessarily need to be overseas. It can be here. But the thing is, is, is where our burden kind of has for, our, for the people. And it's, it's pretty interesting. My wife and I have different 
burdens for different people and and she's more for the the ones that are oppressing others and I'm I'm the one that want to help the ones that are being oppressed and to marry those two together is an interesting thing because it's uh, it's kind of a two two populations that are very different and so I just want to just take this moment right now and just be able to pray for both populations the ones that are just oppressing people and then the ones that can't even advocate for themselves so Father just thank you God for, for those that are out there Lord that are just being just held in bondage the ones that are being oppressed and being captive and, and just being in the in the strongholds of, of people that are just taking advantage of them and just praying on them and Lord I just pray right now even for those that are oppressing others that you just begin to work in their hearts to be able to soften them up be Lord to be able to be receptive to your word and be receptive to your love a love that overflows and be able to trickles down to to not only to to the ones that are are really holding the the just the strongholds of, of all of this and, and just being able just to filter on down to even those that are oppressed lord i thank you in jesus name amen come on we just listen just close your eyes open your ears There's something of a lost treasure in this space of silence. I believe you're going to help us rediscover. The power of preparation before the pursuit of promise. I believe there are things that you are doing within the atmosphere of our hearts, the atmosphere of our lives, the atmosphere of our minds, when we're willing to avail ourselves before you. I pray, Lord, you would deliver each and every one of us from any spirit of performance. We invite you, Lord, have a conversation directly from God to each of us individually and to all of us congregationally, online, on campus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' name. How many know there's tremendous treasure in that space of silence? Tremendous, tremendous treasure. So come on, let's press in just as the Lord's preparing the atmosphere of our hearts and our lives. You can take your seat and um, thank you, Caleb, and happy birthday to you. If you've not downloaded our app, I would suggest you do so so you can easily access um, 
all the resources online, our blog, everything. Today's a really important message. Um, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird nervous, but I'm nervous about today. It's not a nervous like I'm nervously standing before you. Um, I think it's just a sense of something totally new that God's desiring to reveal, and it comes with a cost. It comes with a price. And so I want to just try and really cooperate with him in the conversation that God's desiring to have, and that's really, I think, in this season what God's desiring to do with each of us to learn the conversation of God as a way of life. You can practice the conversation of God as a way of life. So here's the thing that we all have to understand. We are all designed to live in the deeper reality of God. The Bible actually says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. So raise your hand if you have eternity in your heart. Like make sure we all agree and understand eternity exists within our hearts. What that means is the world is about a temporal moment. And no matter what you do to create the best possible moment that the world has to offer, it will never fulfill your life because it's passing and is temporal. And there's something eternal within you that gnaws at you when you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning and you're, you're recognizing you're born for something more. There's something deeper going on as a part of your existence. So we're designed to live in this deeper reality of God. This is a more certain reality of eternity, which really gave birth to the temporal realm. Out of the eternal realm, God spoke, and then this world existed, and then we were formed and created. And so the eternal realm gave room to the temporal realm that we see. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away. What you see will pass away. That which is temporal is winding down. It's called entropy. <laughs> and it's, it's an existence that is fading away over the course of time. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my words will never pass away. And what we read in Scripture, which what's very important for us to understand is the eternal reality of God's Word and the eternal reality of God's truth is going to remain. How many of you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. <clears throat> very important that we understand the eternal reality of God's Word and the, the eternal reality of God's truth is going to remain. Building our lives on that reality is what will last. And building our lives on that eternal reality is what must become our priority. So let's go deeper together. Do you agree? Deeper. Are you ready to pay a price today? Uh, I'm going to say some things that you might take exception with today. I'm going to say some things that are going to really rub you wrong. My hope at the conclusion of, this, uh, of our time in both 9.30 and 11.30 is that everybody who hears this message is going to say, man, I hated that, but I needed that. I feel that's where the Lord is with what we're going to talk about um, today. He's got his scalpel in hand. I, I see just the scalpel of the Lord. So will you just avail yourself to the surgical procedure of the Spirit of God according to his word? Just posture yourself, maybe your hands open, however, but let's, let's just position ourselves. Lord, we are hungry for something so much more than religion could ever provide. We're, so, we're hungry for so much more than that which religious structures could ever express.
We want the deeper, more meaningful revelation and understanding of who Jesus truly is, not who he's been represented to be by some people who maybe have misrepresented the Lord and how we ourselves have in many ways admittedly over the course of time misrepresented your heart with our own agendas, whatever that may look like. And I pray, Lord, you'd peel back those layers, help us to understand with greater clarity so that we can walk with a deeper conviction and possess a greater confidence as a result in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. I've just been rehearsing this verse all week, and I felt to throw it in here this morning for us to kind of build on. Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. It says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Here, listen to this very important phrase. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Listen and pray. What, what that's doing is positioning us in a disposition or a perspective of the fear of the Lord, a deferring to the Lord, a yielding to the Lord. I want to encourage you uh, to begin to put this into practice. When you are sitting down to a meal, I don't know how you decide who's going to pray. When the girls were little, we did the thumb up thing, and the last one with the thumb up had to pray. And then I realized what I was teaching my kids was nobody wants to pray. <laughs> and so I sat down one day at the table, and I, and I did like that. And, and I said, my thumb was up first, I get to pray. And what was so funny, they were pretty little, uh, I did that three or four times until we sat down and then they started putting their thumb up to get to pray first. So however you decide, uh, whoever gets to pray, cast lots, whatever that's going to look like for you. Um, let me just encourage you, even when you sit down, and particularly when you're really hungry, because like sometimes how many of you have had those people pray and they like pray on and on and on and you're hungry, your stomach starts to pray, you know, growl. Uh, but particularly when you're hungry, I want to just challenge you to listen and pray. As a family, start to put this into practice, where you just sit down before you pray, it's silence. I am a person who does not deal with silence well. And really that just kind of tells of my own insecurity. When I'm speaking and you go silent, Sometimes I'll pause and tell a joke or wind you up in another direction just so that I feel a little better about what's going on. And my goodness, God wants to deliver us from that type of immaturity and insecurity. And I just want to get real honest with what, what I believe God's desiring to do. I want to go deeper, become the man of God He's called me to be. I want every one of us to grow in what this next season is to be. And I just say the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So I'm talking today about the issue of idolatry. Um, it's a really interesting concept, really interesting idea. Um, if you've seen the Batman movies, there's this one particular show uh, movie where where he has, where Batman has like conquered all crime, and Gotham City had become beautiful. It had become a beautiful expression of a community, and everything about it looked amazing. And then suddenly, a bad guy shows up. His name's Bane. Bane begins to wreak havoc in the beautiful expression of Gotham City. And so Batman has to come out of retirement. And Batman, perhaps like some of us in the uh, pandemic mode of being isolated, 
gained probably 40 or 50 pounds in retirement. And so here he comes, and he's not well-equipped and not well-trained. And why would he be well-equipped and well-trained? There's this beautiful expression of a community that he had already conquered all the crime. And so uh, he begins to fight against Bane, who's there to wreak havoc. And in the midst of the fight, Batman begins to lose. And, ba and Bane says these incredible words, and I want you to let these words reverberate. Victory has defeated you. Victory has defeated you. Is it possible that the church of our generation has become a beautiful expression of community with all of our ornate expressions of lighting, sound, phenomenal, phenomenal expression of beauty? Perhaps much like generations ago, cathedrals across Europe became a tremendous expression of beauty, of faith that largely have become majorly irrelevant in the day in which you and I live. Let's be very careful to learn from history that always tries to repeat itself. Maybe it's possible we've created the essence of beauty in the community of our churches that has actually blinded us. Maybe it's possible that we live in a day where victory is defeating us, beauty is blinding us, and in many ways, We've lost touch with the eternal reality of God that he desires for us to embrace. So you might just write this down. It's an important statement. What fascinates you will dominate you. This is a really important statement for everything I'm going to talk to you about today because you were born to worship. You were created to worship. You were designed to worship. You worship. Even the most non-religious people are fervent worshipers. I'll show you this, but you were created to worship. And that which fascinates you will captivate your attention and will begin to dominate your life. And so we need to understand that's the essence of worship. And I'm going to break this down in a few different ways as we kind of sort this out. But worship really is at the core of our existence because we are all designed for something deeper. So really um, to understand this best is the phrase that I think I've prepared in my notes and again all this is on the blog you can kind of go through well much of this is on the blog I'm, I'm kind of freestyling a little bit on some of this as well but it's just a big idea big topic today we're talking idolatry next week we'll talk humility and how these two fit together it's really really important but we sacrifice for what we glory in and that is the essence of worship we sacrifice for what we glory in. And that is the essence of worship. See, what fascinates you will dominate you. If you get fascinated with your sports team, it will dominate your perspective. I'm blown away, but right here in this church, I had somebody tell me one time, just don't, don't look around if, if this was you. That way no one will know it was our conversation. But this person said to me, Pastor, I just want you to know I love football. And if my team ever loses, I'll not be at church that weekend. And I want to tell you that's idolatry. Anything you put above God. I, I know this can sound trivial in some respects, but don't you dare allow the enemy to trivialize and minimize something that God reveals as such an important thing for us that he actually made it the very first commandment 
of all ten. You do realize the order of things in Scripture is utterly significant. The firstborn is the carrier of the spiritual blessing, and so there's a greater spiritual significance, if you will, of that particular family member that becomes the firstborn, and that name is focused on throughout the course of Scripture. So the order is utterly significant. So when we start looking at the progression of the commandments, the first commandment that might seemingly look to be fairly irrelevant in the modern day that you and I live, it still is the first order of commandment. And I want us to evaluate that and take a look at that today. And let me just repeat again, that which fascinates you will dominate you. And only Jesus will fascinate you and dominate you in a way, listen very carefully, he will dominate you in a way that releases God's dominion in you rather than taking dominion over you. Everything else will cause you to be a slave, but the dominion of God will cause you to rise up as a son or daughter in the Lord. So anything that provides this sense of that which we would glory in uh, is the essence of worship. What we sacrifice for, we glory in. Um, I, I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> I don't know how old I was, but I was not very old. My mom would be able to speak to this a little bit, but I wanted to buy a motorcycle. And, and I, was, I was young, so I just wanted a dirt bike. Some of my friends were racing motorcycles, and I just wanted a dirt bike. And so I went to the motorcycle shop, and I said, I want that YZ80. Man, it was amazing. Yamaha YZ80 torque band that will throw you off the seat if you're not paying attention when that gets to that certain RPM. I loved the thought of having this motorcycle. And, uh, and I talked to the guys there at the, at the motorcycle shop, and I said, hey, I mean, I'm making a lot of money. I'm mowing lawns. We lived in, in Altus at that time, and Altus is right next door to the flames of hell. It is so hot. But I was mowing in 120-degree temperature sometimes just to make money, and I, and I was, I was saying, look, I'm making a lot of money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you 20 whole dollars today as a down payment on this motorcycle, and what I'd like to do is take the motorcycle and just pay it out. And they were not impressed with that particular offer but what they said was you can make the down payment and pay it out and we'll keep the motorcycle right here for you and so pretty much weekly I showed up with my next payment and I would sit on that motorcycle and I would you know pretend and I would think about it and man if anybody was ever you know in the in the vicinity coming in driving by that I knew I'd be like you know I'd be like waving because what I was really saying was not hi how are you it was like look at me on my motorcycle and when I finally got that thing paid off I just want you know I was so over the moon I took it anywhere I could take it to make sure people would see me on it because I had a dirt bike. That which we sacrifice for, we glory in. And that is the essence of worship. Now, maybe you don't relate to a kid on a dirt bike. Maybe you're relating more to fashion. Maybe you'll relate more to success. Maybe you'll relate more to relationships. You met those people, they just can't stand to be single and they have to find somebody to date because they're willing to sacrifice for a relationship because they glory in that relationship and in many ways they find their significance through something that's less than God. Relationship, fashion, job, career, promotion, success, significance, whatever that looks like. How am I doing? I'm going deeper. I told you, you're going to say, I hated it, but I needed it. So far, I hope you're hating it really bad, because I know uh, the Lord, all week long, has just been something the Lord has just been dealing with me on. 
so very much. Anytime you start getting your sense of identity from something other than God, whether you realize that's what you're doing or not, anytime you start getting your sense of identity from anything other than God, you've allowed it to become an idol in your life. First commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. I will be your God. You will be my people. You will derive your significance from your sonship, from being a son or a daughter of God. Do not derive your significance from anything other than the reality of your relationship with me. That's what he's saying. This commandment addresses idolatry. And again, just seems so irrelevant to modern day life, but maybe it's actually the most relevant commandment of all. Uh, if you think about you know, commands in Scripture to avoid sin, you think of don't lie, and you probably can think of a lot of things about gossip and the tongue and, and all the things you know, that you can come up with that the Bible actually says not to do and to avoid sin, but what you might not realize is the most common sin we are told to avoid throughout Scripture is actually idolatry. Not a lot of conversation going on about it, and so it sounds kind of odd even for me to introduce that reality, but that's theologically true. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 says it this way, New Testament church, not Old Testament, ancient, you know, uh, idolatry days, but New Testament church, New Testament enemy, 1 John 5, 21, children of God, keep yourselves from idols. The Bible describes your new way of life. How many of you have given your life to Christ? Like you recognize Jesus is Lord. He came, He lived, He died, but He's risen from the grave. Thank God He's alive. Aren't you glad Jesus is alive? Have you given your life to Jesus and made that decision? I, I want you to know that's the most important decision you can make, not just in your life, but in all eternity. And it's described this way in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. In other words, you began to find life in Him rather than seeking life in all the other stuff that you would seek. I don't know if you realize, but famous rich people are horribly empty in many respects. And we have seen suicide after suicide of famous rich people over the course of my lifetime. And I think to myself, man, they had so much how could they take their own life when they had almost anything this world had to offer? And the answer is because eternity exists within our hearts. When we focus on someone or something and find significance, meaning, or value from that thing in our life, it begins to occupy, occupy the place of God that's reserved only for him. You realize you have a throne in your heart and there are many things we allow to be enthroned in our lives where we begin to feel a sense of significance coming from that and we're migrating away. In a sense, what we're saying is, excuse me, Jesus, just for a little while. In a culture saturated with images <laughs> that are all about celebrity and glamour, I, I want you just to think about this. Technology has somewhat even the playing field. Technology now allows anybody to participate in this world of celebrity and glamour uh, expressions. You understand Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, blogging, tweeting, all social networking is based on the premise, hey everybody, look at me. 
I mean, you can, you can now know me, you can follow me, you can celebrate me. What's, what's at the center of all of that? It's a two-letter word. Starts with M, ends with E, rhymes with C. Me. Hey, everybody, look at me. I just want to challenge you. Make sure you're using the social media platforms that exist in your life to lift up and glorify the name of Jesus. Make sure you're using whatever platform. I'm standing here on a physical platform right now. Lawrence Neeson, make sure any platform that's ever given in your life, you're using it to lift up the name of Jesus and not your own kingdom. John Calvin said, our heart is an idol factory. I just want to say, none of us in this room have a sin problem. Not one person in this room has a sin problem. What we have is a worship problem. Nobody has a sin problem. People have a worship problem because we're designed to worship, and when we allow ourselves to begin to modify the expression of worship that exists within us, we migrate into things that we begin to explore that we should not be exploring to find relief, to find significance, whatever it looks like, and it becomes this expression of idolatry. Are you sure you want to go into this with me today? Anybody else, just you want to go deeper into this? Is it all right? We're doing okay. It's just surgery time, isn't it? I'm just at the front of the line just saying, Lord, whatever you want to deal with, deal with that. I, I heard this guy uh, sharing about being in India, and he was talking to a pastor's wife, and, and he's, he's standing there next to uh, an altar where chickens had you know, been slaughtered routinely, and there's chicken blood everywhere, chicken feathers everywhere. And he's talking to this pastor's wife, and he said, you know, have you ever considered coming to visit my country and coming to America? And she said, oh, I went once. I'll never go back. And it, it kind of took him by surprise. And he said, well, you know, why, why will you not go back? And this is what she said. I went, but I'll never go back. I cannot stomach the idolatry that abounds in your country. And he described how he's like standing next to chicken blood and chicken feathers where they'd been sacrificing chickens to the chicken god. And she's talking about idolatry that exists in America. And he's in, you know, in shock by this conversation and trying to... How many of you know it's easier to see idolatry in another culture than it is to see it in your own? And so he begins to ask her, you know, what, can you tell me, help me understand, you know, where... Where are the, the altars and the shrines to these false gods that exist in my land? And this is what she said. I'll read her response. Your God is your stomach, and you have restaurants everywhere. Your God are your sports teams, and you have billions of dollars invested in stadiums to house them. Your God is your television, and all of the chairs in your home are lined up so your family can gather around the altar and worship the God of entertainment. I want you to imagine somebody from ancient Rome transported out of that era of time into our era of time. And that person from ancient Rome, they're used to seeing these idolatrous expressions going on in the Colosseum of their day. And we bring them here and you say to them, hey, let's go to a game. And we show up with this person from ancient Rome who's used to seeing idolatrous celebrations within the Colosseum, and they see our modern-day Colosseum that we go up to, our big building. Let me, let me just say to you, this is very important that you understand. 
I'm not facilitating anything of legalism with what I am saying. This is not driving us to a point where I think you need to remove your TVs from your house or burn your sports jerseys. Or It's not where I'm driving. I, I want to move away from any idea of legalism, and I want to move into a perspective of consecration and understanding what that really is about. And that looks different in every person's life. You need to be able to handle a consecrated life that doesn't resemble another person's consecrated life. We can have distinction without having to have division. We need to recognize that. Very important when I'm driving into this. And so, so here we are. We're going to the modern-day Colosseum, and we've got this person from ancient Rome, and they're seeing us. And what do they see when we walk up to the door right here in our own community? The superhuman athletes and their huge, massive pictures as we walk in. Those are the huge superhuman athletes. And we pay all this money to get in and get in these seats that surround these superhuman athletes who have these superhuman abilities, and we celebrate them. And when they do something spectacular, we stand to our feet. Sometimes we have their jersey on our back. Stand to our feet in an expression of celebration of their superhuman capacity. They rehearse it and review it on the screen above, and we're looking at it, and everybody is, wow. I mean, come on, let's, 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 let's back off a little bit, right? This is not like sacrificing hum, you know, human sacrifices in the Old Testament. You agree? I mean, that's not what this is. But what about the altar of our career where we sacrifice our lives and because of inactivity we suffer from obesity and heart attack and stress levels that are out the roof? Maybe that's a form of human sacrifice in our modern-day society. People literally offering themselves and offering their families on this altar of exploring and pursuing whatever the grand scheme of something more could be that they could achieve within the structure of this world all the time, eternity within their hearts, saying it's not enough, it's not enough, it's not enough, because it's not enough. Higher standard of living a pursuit of a greater life and losing our families in the process. What does it, you know, what, what it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose their life? God's loving desire is to keep us free from allowing anything other than Him in the center of our lives. There's a shot from heaven in the atmosphere when I said that statement. I'm going to say it again. I want to just challenge you. Sometime earlier, the worship team's getting ready. You know, they're just waves of revelation. You realize that? Waves of revelation that come. And sometime during practice, I mean, all of a sudden, I just one of those waves hit the room, and somebody was singing. I don't remember who it was or what it was, but I just heard the anointing. And I literally stopped, and I just stood there, and I said, Lord, I just love to hear the anointing. We've raised up a church that's so enamored with the beauty of the expression of the church that we've lost sight of learning to hear the anointing because we're mesmerized by that which is so beautiful and that which is beautiful has blinded us. I just know God's trying to address some things on a deeper level of peeling back layers. So let me just say this again. God's loving desire is to keep us free from allowing anything other than Him to be at the center of our lives. 
what fascinates you will dominate you. And only Jesus will dominate you in a way that it releases God's dominion for you to step into in your life and become everything he's designed you to be. Everything else will enslave you, leave you empty. So it's funny, as I was looking at all this and we're kind of at a landing strip, we're going to press back in and worship in just a few moments. But I felt like the Lord was saying something to me in preparation to where uh, all this is because I, I want to say worship I think we all would agree, worship is important. Worship is vital that we get this right. And this is why there's something, the Bible actually says in Deuteronomy 14, 23, listen carefully, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first. This aligns with the first commandment that's given the greatest priority that nothing comes before God. And the Lord's given us this perpetual method. I just want to say to you, we are so blessed as a church in this community. Isn't it beautiful that we're going to have on the last Sunday of June for whatever the 20th year now, maybe more, we're going to have a fireworks display that the entire community can come at dark. There are going to be fireworks that are going to be going off. We're negotiating with the company, and have, I've been talking with them. Pat's been talking with them, and they're going to do all aerial this year, nothing on the ground. And the primary reason is because the entire community has actually now, Dell City has, has embraced the reality of, a, of that particular weekend, and they've, they've designated it to be a, a weekend. They're trying to facilitate attention to all the businesses in the community, and they're going to issue bingo cards. This is not us. This is the community. This is the Chamber of Commerce. They're going to issue bingo cards, and those bingo cards have different businesses in the community and the goal for every person is to go to each of those businesses and get their bingo card marked by those particular businesses just in an effort to get everybody kind of out in the community and guess who the last business is in the community of Dell City that everybody is being asked to go to Destiny Christian Center <laughs> they're encouraging everybody to go to the fireworks display at the end of the at the end of the weekend i mean it's just beautiful it's great it's awesome it's amazing and they're going to come and we're going to click their bingo card and hopefully Jesus is going to grip their heart. And we're not going to have worship on the inside this year. We're going to have worship on the outside in light of the fact there's so many people in the community that will be coming through. We want to make sure we're capturing and expressing the atmosphere of worship that releases something of the kingdom right in the midst of everything going on. I'm believing God for an outpouring of heaven in the earth and we are the gates to release something powerful in the world around us. And I'm saying all this to say, everything that we're doing in those regards, I'm so excited about that. I'm so thankful for that. We're, we're, we're continually dispersing and distributing food through this entire scenario. We now have, uh, Crystal Gazaway was sharing with me this morning, we now have 10 people that we have been providing food for for quite some time, long before the pandemic when we were doing the summer food program and we're providing food to families in need because their children go to school and when they don't have school to go to in the summertime, then they don't get free and reduced lunch and many of them are going hungry. And so we've been doing this program and I'm so thankful for this expression, but we've now had 10 people that have gone through that program that are now on their feet in such a way that they have communicated to us, hey, we don't need any more food. Come on, that is restitution. That is restoration. That is significant of what God is doing in our community through this house. Hats off to you. Your generosity is amazing. I don't need you to give any more money for the budget that we're trying to sustain. You've done great. 
So when I start talking to you about tithing, it's not because I'm trying to pull finances for some, you know, maybe we can make budget. This is not what this is about. This is about worship. And your tithe is about your worship. Every time you increase, it's a decision. My kingdom will be second. God's kingdom will be first. First and foremost, first fruits tithe. See the kingdom of God expand. I want you to know there's 70 acres across the street. That 70 acres doesn't belong to us, but that 70 acres belongs to us. I want you to know on that 70 acres, there are no structures over there, but there's a dream center over there. I know you can't see it with your natural eyes. There's a home for unwed mothers that exists on those 70 acres. I don't know what all God has in store, but I do know that another service and another location begins to be another expression that God is beginning to awaken again in the church. Are you ready for everything God wants to do? It's all just a result and an expression of worship. Action point this week. Make some time to pray and ask God for wisdom to respond as we invite Him to address these deeper issues in all of our lives. Make some time this week. We believe God's presence is for real life. In fact, we are people who bring God's presence to real life. GP2RL action point every week. So let's bring God's presence to real life this week. Let's take what it is the Lord's stirring and let's rehearse a little bit of what God's revealing. There, there really is just an, an enriching of our lives that's taking place in these moments we've had together. Do you sense it? a challenging, a breaking off of some things. You know, if you just, before any music starts, before any beauty, there's nothing wrong with music, nothing wrong with lights, nothing wrong with artistic expression of all the gifts, nothing wrong with being on a platform, everybody looking, me speaking. Nothing wrong with any of those things as long as they don't become our God. So before the music starts, if you're here and you say, I just want to repent to God for idolatry of whatever form that may be in your life. Just stand to your feet. I mean, no beautiful music to lull you into it. Just, you want to respond to Him. You just want to respond to Him. I just want to give it all. See things, Lord, the way you see them. To cooperate with eternity that exists within our hearts. To worship the way you desire for us to worship, free from idols. Free. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's all just join together and stand in agreement that we the church, we the church, are becoming more of who God desires for us to be. Forgive us, Lord, for the empty religious expression we've allowed the church to become. Our victory has defeated us and our beauty has blinded us. I thank you that there are some things we've gotten really right. May we know how to cling to those things. But I pray for the empty old structures that need to be destroyed. They would truly be destroyed. In Jesus' mighty name. 
in Jesus' name. You know, maybe today with so many just standing to their feet, those perhaps online responding in a different way, but so many responses, maybe part of that response today was saying, man, I want to know what it is to be a Christian. I've never surrendered my life to Christ, and I want to do that today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to make sure we're walking that very important decision out. Anybody in the room today, I want to just surrender my life to Jesus so that I learn what it is to really walk out this faith. Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness in all of our lives. I thank you that you came, you lived, you died, but you are alive and you're drawing us into the deeper purposes of eternity, the deeper purposes of God. May we have a sense of how to walk that out in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. So what we want to do is connect, particularly in this next season, to just connect. Um, so two ways we want to do that today. You can text DESTINY to 474747. And that will ping back to your phone a digital connect card. If you're in the room, you can grab one out of the back seat. If you'd like to do that, fill it out, drop it in a giving station um, before you walk out. Those giving stations are at the back. But we want to connect on any level. Whatever you're sensing God's taking you into, we want to walk that out with you in community the way God designed us to. First thing Jesus said when he taught the disciples to pray, what was it? When you pray, say, Our our. It's a, it's, a, it's a we. It's a community. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our. I mean, it's just all about community. God is all about community. And I want to encourage you. Let us connect with you in that regard. And then uh, in just a moment, I'm going to also, as we start to worship again, just for a bit before we conclude, um, there are going to be a few people that are part of our prayer team. They're not going to be the full team that's usually under the screens because we're just trying to give consideration to social distancing. I know some of you are interested in social distancing and some of you are not. But here's the thing. To love your neighbor well, you give consideration to whatever it is that they are thinking about in their disposition. So we want to give room for that. Once you all conclude, we're going to put the chairs back spaced out and then people can pull them together the next service again, however they'd like to do as families, however. But in honor of, in consideration of social distancing, we're going to have our prayer teams, rather than being under the, under the, the screens, they're going to step out to the lobby. We have no chairs and tables out there. Um, they're going to step out to the lobby, and right under the TV is a desk. And so the prayer team, there are going to be a few of them standing on one side of the desk, and if you would like prayers, we're just worshiping a bit, then you can go and stand on the other side of the desk. If you would prefer that they wear a mask, they'll be glad to do that. We just want to serve. How many of you know we just want to serve? But we'll allow that disc to provide some distance between the two so you can hear better out there up here when worship's going. Sometimes you have to, you know, really scream in each other's ear. So we want to give a little bit of room for that. But before we get there, I refuse to be rushed. Every time I start feeling rushed, I just stop. If there's a demon of rush, he hates it when I do that. Because <laughs> I'm just not going to be rushed. I want to take the time to walk out what God's desiring to walk out in the few moments we have together like this. Stephen Esther Uppel, who lead the Apostolic Network that we're partnering with, he's an external elder to our church. He's in Wolverhampton, England. 
um, Esther shared this vision, and I feel it's significant for us. She said, out of Acts 27, Paul was sailing to Rome. We as a church are on a journey, just like Paul was, to an unfamiliar destination in the midst of all the storm. And there are a lot of storms going on. Paul heard God's voice in the midst of the storm declaring, keep up, keep your courage, no one will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Only the old structure will be destroyed. We too must throw overboard the things that we are carrying, the cargo, the tackle, the anchors, the lifeboat, and even the food. It's part of the consecrated lifestyle is to learn a lifestyle of fasting. Everything we've brought along must be discarded if we're going to survive the storm and become who God's called us to become. We must release the things we trusted in. The ship, the man-made structures must be destroyed if we're going to reach the new land that has not been seen before. Paul broke bread on the ship, and we too must gather around Christ. Burn the ships. Burn the old structures. Burn the old mindsets. Be free from old struggles. It's time to step into a brand new day. Well, Lord, we just want to say, do what you desire to do. We want to be surrendered more, surrendered more completely to you. Help us to walk that out this week in a way that brings glory and honor to God. In Jesus' name, would you take just a little bit of time before we walk out of this room, and let's press in, let's take whatever it is God stirred in our hearts, and let's bring that before Him in a, in a place of worship. The prayer team is going to make their way out now as we just start to press into worship. We're going to take another 10 minutes or so before we conclude. So come on, let's just press in and let's worship. Let's allow the atmosphere of God's kingdom to begin to do something deep within our hearts.